Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, listeners. This is Luke recording this in my flat in Paris. As usual, it's a Monday lunchtime. Uh, and this episode of Luke's English Podcast is all about the terrorist attacks which happened here last Friday evening. Uh, I'm joined by Paul Taylor. Hello, Paul. Hi. And we're just going to talk about what happened and what's going on and uh, all that kind of thing. All right. Um, so actually, first of all, before we go into this, I should say thank you very much for your concern. Um, as you know, I live in Paris, and I should say right now, thank you very much for all the messages that I've had from Lepsters. Lots of people contacted me in various ways, including loads of messages on my website, saying that they were concerned about my safety and the safety of my family and friends. Thankfully, I can say that I'm fine, and so is everyone I know, including my wife, her family, and all our friends, including Amber and Paul, of course. Paul is here, and he's. I mean, you look all right, Paul. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. I, I don't know. If, I actually don't know if it's uh, sunk in. To be honest, I think I should be more worried. But yeah, well, it's I, difficult to know how to sort of respond to this kind of thing. Obviously, mm. it's a horrible shock, and terrible events have happened. But on, uh, at the same time, you kind of think, well, we shouldn't let it stop us from being normal. Yeah, because then those twats win, don't they? Well, exactly. Yeah, but I. I yeah. I feel like I should be, I should go through a period of like, oh, this is, like, this is real. But yeah. that hasn't happened yet, which is... What would that mean, though, for you? What, I, um, what, what, how would you know if you were going through a period of this is real? I don't know, just having a, a, a more, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know, yeah, just like having a weird feeling in my stomach, which I haven't really had yet. I've had a couple of times yeah. when I, I've had like five seconds to think about what's happened. Yeah, uh, but as I guess we'll talk about, I haven't had a lot of time. It's, yeah, it's difficult for um, the reality to set in when something so out of the ordinary happens. It's difficult to know. I mean, I mean, it's obviously shocking and upsetting, um, but um, it's yeah, it's hard to know how to react. Um, but um, you know, we're we're everyone's fine, everyone's okay. Obviously, we're a bit sort of shocked and stunned by by what's gone on uh, this weekend. Um, of course, our thoughts go out to those people who have been directly affected by the attacks, um, the victims and their families. It's very sad. It's shocking. And it's infuriating. But one thing's for sure, we have to carry on as normal to make sure that these terrorists don't win. Uh, and so life goes on today on this Monday. Um, lots of people have gone back to work. I went back to work today, but um, I was promptly... I arrived at school and there was no one there. And I thought, what's going on? Has everyone decided to just stay in bed? And uh, of course, I'm the only one who doesn't know that they they cancelled the classes. They didn't call you. They didn't send you a message. To be honest, I think that they probably sent an email out, but I didn't check my emails. Uh. And so, um, you know, I didn't notice. So everyone else, no one else was there. Everyone else was in bed. And I was, you know, getting up in the morning, like going down to work and I arrived and I was getting my lessons ready and everything. And one of the members of staff was like, uh, you know that uh, there are no classes today, right? Mm. And I was like, what? No classes? I bet you the kids are loving it today. 
Like, because uh, kids don't know what's happening, right? But they, all they know is that they don't have school today. Right. And they love it. <laughs> I guarantee it. I, I remember the day after 9-11. Uh, yeah, 9-12, I suppose that would be. That would, yeah, 9-12, yeah. So the 12th of September. Right. Uh, I was, how old was I, 14? We didn't have school the next day. I was loving it. I didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. I was just seeing, I mean, yeah, 14, you're old enough, but you don't really, you're not really old enough. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. You're just seeing towers getting hit by planes and you think, okay, that's, that's pretty bad. But um, Also, another weird thing is that I suppose lots of people out there listening to this have seen the coverage on the news and they've kind of, you know, uh, found out all about it by watching the news and stuff. Mm. And, and in fact, it's not completely realistic what you see in the news because the news focuses only on certain things. Yeah. And to be honest, like, life is... Life goes on. Yeah. Um, like on Saturday morning, my wife and I went out. In fact, we went down to the blood donation centre. <laughs> Did you give blood? Well, I tra- <laughs> no, I didn't give blood. She tried to give blood. The queue was too large. I mean, I know in advance they won't take my blood. Yeah, because you're English. Because I'm English. But I saw some people on TV. And wait, wait a minute. Okay. You, I mean, my listeners might not know why they won't okay. take. This is all. This is weird as well because and it's, it's been a very weird time. And like you were telling me about how weird it was for various reasons. But this is weird because in my stand-up comedy routine, I do a bit about how I, I can't give blood in France because they don't want my blood. You know, they don't want English blood getting into French people's bodies because <laughs> it affects the brain, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's all b- based on like mad cow's disease because we had this outbreak of mad cow's disease in the UK. And, and so, f- you know understandably the French don't want English blood you know because they're worried that it's infected with mad cow and I don't have mad cow's disease well maybe a little bit but um, <laughs> I'm alright but anyway so it's weird I, I, we went down to give blood my, my wife went to give blood and uh, there was a huge queue and, and so we couldn't do it uh, but you know just walking around just normal really a little bit quieter than usual mm. But it's pretty much the same thing, you know, everyone's just doing their shopping. You posted a video. Yeah, I was going to say, did you see my video? I did, yeah. Uh, for those of you uh, who may not have seen the video, I, on my Facebook page I posted a video uh, and in the title it just said, this is the stuff that you won't see on the news that's happening in Paris right now. And it was just me in the supermarket. I needed to get some food. Uh, and in the supermarket, again, it was there were people in there. It wasn't as busy as usual, but it was still fairly busy. And uh, people were just doing their normal things, you know, selecting wine like they do in the supermarkets here, buying, you know, toiletries, whatever they needed to do. So, um, yeah, it's a very, I mean, but that's not interesting for the news. You don't, you know, yeah. when, you, when you hear there's terrorist attacks in Paris and you turn on BBC World News, you don't want to see people in a, news mar- uh, in a supermarket no. uh, <laughs> looking no, at wine. All, all the, the news shows you is just, you know, these streets with lots of police everywhere and, and uh, parts of the, the street have been closed off and, and uh, there's a monument, you know, in the Place de la République, all the people gathered there. I mean, I, I did go down there yesterday briefly. Mm. We'll, we'll come on to that in a moment. But anyway, the point is that uh, life goes on uh, in, in Paris, even though there has been this, this horrible, um, horrible thing happening. But, you know, life goes on and it should go on because um, otherwise the terrorists win, don't they? So we're not going to let them, you know, stop us. So we keep laughing. We keep going out. We keep doing the same thing. Basically, we keep calm and carry on. All right. Also, another thing I should say, so, well, that, that first thing was, thank you for your concern. Thank you, thank you for your messages. Second thing was our thoughts go out to the people who uh, were unfortunately affected by this. Um, and also, a third thing, it's not just Paris, in fact. This is just one of a number of recent 
ISIS attacks in different places. Recently, two explosions in suicide attacks in a Shiite Muslim district of southern Beirut in Lebanon killed 43 people. And also, 224 people died when a Russian aircraft crashed in Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. And that's understood to be ISIS-related as well, as well I think. Uh, also, apparently, according to... Um, uh, Agence France Presse, which is like the French press agency, um, Turkey stopped a major Istanbul terror plot uh, on the same day as the Paris attacks. So um, it's not just Paris. There are things going on everywhere. And it's not just ISIS, of course. There's violence and fighting in many places by many people for many reasons. And of course, it all sucks. Uh, and our thoughts go out to anyone who's been the victim of any violence in any country at any time. Um, like, uh, But in this podcast in particular, we're talking about the attacks in Paris, just because they happened in our town close to home. And we have some direct experience of it. And we just want to tell you about what happened. Um, Paul, in particular, uh, you had some some fairly close experience of this in fact you are like the one the most wanted english speaker in in town at the moment all of the different newspapers and tv stations all want to speak to you yeah it's uh it's a little bit weird yeah i uh i i lived it close by i lived it close by that's not even english but you know what i mean i saw i didn't see anything really mm. but uh we were uh like 100 meters away from where one of the restaurants uh that got shot were yeah and um You'll tell us about what happened yeah. in a moment, but um, um, just just to be clear, um, everyone out there in podcast land who's listening to this, I expect you've seen the story in the news a lot over the last few days. Here in France and in the UK, it's totally dominating the news. Just switch on the TV. This is what's on, of course. Um, but just in case you don't know what happened... Um, let me sum it up for you, and we will go through all the details in 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 a lot more detail uh, in a moment. But in summary, on Friday evening, um, just a couple of days ago, Paris was attacked by ISIS terrorists, and um, it's 129 people were killed. It's still 129. It is. Yeah, isn't I was just it? checking BBC now. As uh, saying. At the moment, uh, the death toll is 129. Uh, 129 people were killed in explosions and shootings. Um, members of the public were shot in public bars, restaurants and cafes. Um, the worst attack took place inside a live music venue called Bataclan, which is just 100 metres away, uh, about 100 metres away. Is it the Bataclan that's 100 metres no, away from the Pan Am? it was no? one of the bars. Okay, one um, of the bars but was... But it's, it's still a 5-10 minute walk away from the Pan Am. Yeah, okay. So uh, <laughs> the, the, at the attacks took place close to uh, the Pan Am Art Cafe, where Paul and I often perform comedy shows. And in fact, Paul was there at the Pan Am when the attack happened nearby, or when one of the attacks happened nearby. And um, so we're going to talk about that and, and what he saw. So basically, Paul, uh, you know, thank, uh, thank goodness you're all right. I mean, you were quite close to the action. Are you all right? I mean, how do you feel? Um, I feel all right. I feel fine. I, I mean... Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, I feel. I don't feel like uh, uh, I was in any specific danger, really. Mm, mm. Um, but it was. Uh, it was just a very weird uh, t events. Basically, uh, it was just strange. And um, what have you been doing over the last couple of days then, since the attack happened? Uh, just the same as everything. We had to take the cat to the vet. Right. Uh, the cat wasn't feeling very well, yeah. and uh, he might have cancer. We're not sure. Okay. Um, but it's kind of difficult to feel bad. Yeah. 
uh, about my cat not feeling very well considering what's happened. So yeah. it's, I, I'm kind of uh, keeping that on the down low, really. Yeah, because people are like, so hey, how are you, Paul? It's like, well, yeah, I'm feeling pretty bad. Yeah, of course you are. Well, yeah, my cat's got cancer. Never mind all of the other <laughs> things that have been going on. Um, but uh, you've also, people keep contacting you. Like uh, Paul earlier, when he arrived at the flat, showed me his phone and he's got all these notifications and emails from different news agencies and things. Mm. Um, just tell me a little bit about who's been contacting you Actually, then. Everyone. It's, what happened was, um, so if, I guess I'll start at the beginning, is when I was, I was about to perform in French. Okay. Um, uh, at nine fifteen, nine fifteen was when the show was starting, and I was performing. I was the not the last comedian up, but the second to last comedian up. Okay. Uh, and just before that show, we had an English speaking show, uh, which was a guy called Ahir who came over uh, from England specifically just to do his one hour show. Um, and so he was there as well. And uh, just before I went on stage, I wanted to uh, go find Robert, our friend Robert Hain, who uh, you might have heard on the. Podcast from yeah. a couple of hundred episodes ago, maybe episode one hundred and forty-three. There you go. A cup of tea with Robert Haynes. So he's he's the, one of the guys who who sort of organises these comedy shows. Yeah. So I, I went upstairs to to go and speak to him before I went on stage, and he wasn't in the cafe. Mm. Um, so I went outside to see if he was smoking a cigarette, and um, he, uh, as I went outside, I saw him and Kareem, the owner of the bar, walking up from the bottom of the street there. Yeah. Uh, towards us, and uh, he. He just said, like, he said to me, like, in a normal kind of calm voice, yeah, there's a guy down there uh, with a Kalashnikov shooting people. Wow. Uh, I thought he was joking, if I'm honest. I, I, I yeah. you know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's Robert and he's a comedian. So yeah. I, I, I said, sorry, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah, there's something bad happening. And then it was only really when there were two other people that came uh, just behind him, a woman and a, and a guy uh, in, dressed in lycra, like he was a, a, a cyclist. Right. Uh, the guy was crying. Yeah. Uh, and I, I said, so what's he thought I was uh, a policeman because I was wearing my comedy yeah, you were, shirt and tie. Paul, when he's on stage, he wears like a white shirt and a black tie. So he, it looks a bit like a uniform <laughs> yeah. if, if, you know, if, if you're not really concentrating. Well, the guy yeah. thought I was, because uh, I was next, standing next to Robert, I was speaking in English to Robert and the guy thought we were part of the police. Right. And I said, no, no, I'm a, I'm a comedian. Yeah. And he laughed, which was like, it, 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 just that mate, like he was crying, but he laughed. He was like, sorry, you're a comedian. I'm like, yeah, we're doing a show downstairs right now. Mm. Um, and he he told me that he'd seen, you know, just people being shot at the cafe. Wow. Uh, like a hundred meters away from where, from the Pan Am. Um, and so that's when I knew something like was actually happening. So I tried to look on my phone and go through news. There was nothing on any news. What didn't, didn't, sorry, didn't you feel like an, a sort of sense of danger? Weren't you running no. up, running away? Like no one was, no one was, no one was running. Even the people that came to us, um, the, the, the guy, this guy and this woman, they just, they walked in, they weren't running, they weren't screaming. They just walked up the road. They just walked up the road. They're uh, like, yeah, a couple of people getting shot. Just that, honestly, that's what it actually felt seriously. like. Yeah. And so, so I, I went to go find that the guy who was hosting the comedy night, another comedian called Lenny. Yeah. Um, and I saw him and I said, hey, apparently people have just been shot down the road. Uh, and he, he, he looked at me and he's like, well, okay. Uh, really? But because the, the, there was nothing on you, there was no police yeah. anywhere yet. There was nothing on the news, obviously, because it had just happened. I suppose it's that thing about when does something officially become an emergency? Because exactly. it doesn't register in your brain that something serious is happening no. until... It seems that everyone has decided it's it's an emergency, and if yeah. you're the only one, it's like then it's weird how our collective conscious works, how a collective consciousness works that it doesn't register as a serious event until the majority of people yeah. 
are acting like it's That's a serious exactly event. That's exactly what it was because everyone in the cafe, it was packed, right? The Pan Am, 9.30 on a, on a Friday. Yeah. Absolutely packed. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, but there was a couple of people at the entrance, you know, me included with these people. And, you know, when, when I think when it's like an emergency situation, you know, accounts, eyewitness accounts get out of control. You yeah. know, people are like, I saw 10 dead people. I saw five dead, there's, there's no dead people. There's nothing, ha-, you know, and it was, yeah. so everyone was kind of calm. And um, this guy said, well, I, I, like, we're not just going to go downstairs, interrupt the show, panic everyone, 80 yeah. people in there, yeah. uh, when we don't really know what's happened. So right. we'll, just, we'll just carry on for now uh, and, and, and see what happens. So I was like, okay. So I went back downstairs to the basement in the backstage area while uh, one of the other guys called uh, Donald was on stage. Yeah. And he was destroyed. Like, I've never heard any like, people laugh as loud in that room. As with him, he was talking about something with the France football players like Valbuena, something about a sex tape. The crowd were in hysterics. But the crowd had no idea what was going no on No one had any idea. So, I knew exactly. Well, I was like, something's happened. Yeah. And I think people have died. And I texted uh, Addy and I said, there's been, there's been a shooting. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, and she was kind of giving me updates by text. So right. I knew that something serious had happened. And I was preparing to go on stage because I was next up. Right. So l- my listeners might be thinking, but how could you carry on as normal when you knew something had happened? But for in, I would say in your defense, not that I need to defend you, but just to explain, um, with now, of course, at this position on Monday, we know exactly what happened. We mm. know exactly how serious and how large this thing was. But for you at that moment, you had heard something it wasn't completely sure what it was but you your mind was probably on trying to make this audience laugh and since everyone else all these other people weren't acting like it was a big deal it was hard for you to get to take it as seriously as as and also you had a, a pressing engagement you had to be downstairs on stage yeah well to do I, the show so it's kind of like you couldn't really process properly and and the same for everyone else so you know so well, i guess it, that's yeah. how it happened yeah because we we i mean initially i thought oh it's just the ca- it's the cafe down the road that's it there's nothing else you know mm. but we didn't you know it, it, we figured the i don't know i don't know it's just in in the thing it was just like well all right we've got to keep going and yeah. in, it, i i was laughing at what was happening in there yeah. but in my mind i was like okay i need to prepare i need to try and make people laugh even though i know that people have just been yeah. killed down the yeah, road yeah, yeah uh so it was but, I, the, but the audience were like laughing really loud. Oh, outrageously! And they yeah. didn't, so they weren't aware. No, yeah. But it must have felt pretty crazy though for you because you were like, it's. It must have felt like quite a hysterical moment in a way that mm. you knew that in the background something bad was happening, and yet in this room everyone is experiencing such total yeah. hysterical joy at the comedy show that's happening. It was a uh, we- weird sort of closest moment. to schizophrenia I think I've I've yeah. experienced where I was like, okay, I I need to make people laugh, but I know that something bad's happened. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, I got on stage. Uh, the guy came off. I went on stage. And uh, uh, I, I just got my first phrase out, which was, you know, bonsoir Paris, est-ce que ça va bien? You know, hey, yeah. Paris, how are you? Uh, and as soon as that happened, Lenny, the, the host, came on stage, interrupted the show and said, no, we've got to stop the show. Um, you know, something bad's happened. And uh, the audience thought it was part of the, part of the sketch. Yeah. Because he was on, he started the show and mm. introduced himself and made people laugh and mm. I was on. So they, they it took, it took a, about 30 seconds a minute for us to be like, no, 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 this is serious. Like people have been shot down the road uh, and we need to evacuate. And so um, the police, uh, by that stage, the police had showed up. This is probably about 10 minutes between me finding out that people had been shot 
going downstairs, then going on stage. Mm. It was probably about 10 minutes and then the police had showed up and um, they were evacuating us from the, from the Pan Am. So the police came down into the room? Uh, they didn't come down to the room. The, the owner came down uh, and interrupted the show. Um, and how did the audience respond once they realised it was happening? Was there a sense of panic in the room? A little, n- not a huge amount of panic, but a little bit, yeah. Like you know, the, uh, a couple of people started like screaming or crying and yeah. and things like that. They didn't know what was going on, but it, it was fairly calm uh, yeah. as it was happening. Um, I do have to say that, like in the future, when people ask me, "Yeah, Paul, what's the worst heckle you've ever had <laughs> at one of your comedy gigs?" and what was like, how did you respond to it? You yeah. know, it's like that. I don't know if there's any worst heckle that you're on stage. Um, a heckle, for those of you who don't know, is when a comedy show is happening and somebody shouts something out to disturb the comedy show. Yeah. And quite often comedians will have uh, something to to make fun of the person who shouted out and then the whole audience uh, are against that person. It's quite fun. Yeah, often often a heckle would, would be like, you know, a comment about your appearance or mm. something like, tell us a joke then. You know, or or some other bit of ab- abuse from someone in the crowd, and it's like part of stand-up comedy. You have to find a comeback or a way of dealing mm. with the heckle. And comedians always shell shell. They always share stories of like their their worst heckles. Um, <laughs> I had a scouser in the audience one who was who, who was just kept saying, "It's not funny. It's not. It's not funny." It's not funny. He seemed so annoyed that my show wasn't funny. <laughs> everyone else was laughing, but he apparently didn't want, you know, he wanted to convince everyone else that it wasn't funny. Anyway, that's, here's your worst heckle. Yeah, is my worst heckle is that, uh, and when I tell it uh, on a stage or I'm telling, like I'll, I'll, I'll change the details. I'll say that armed police came in and right. told, yeah. but it, it wasn't that serious, but it was like, yeah, sorry, the show's being interrupted because we need to get evacuated because people are being shot yeah, dead, yeah. Fight, like a hundred meters away. Oh my God. Um, so, yeah. That's when I left. I left um, and I walked home. I, I, I walked home uh, down the opposite street. Uh, obviously, the police weren't letting us down the, the street where yeah. the, the other um, restaurant was. And so I walked home. And as I was walking home, uh, uh, I was texting uh, my girlfriend and my mum had called as well. Yeah. Uh, and the details were still unknown of what had happened, really. Uh, so it was, it was the, the, the sense of danger wasn't really imminent you know people were in the bars and all that kind of stuff in the area uh and i was it was weird because i had information they didn't yeah of what was happening yeah and as i was talking to my mum on the phone in english like i could hear people walking next to me like looking at me like oh yeah. something's happening yeah um so anyway as i was going home i i sent a tweet uh, to bbc breaking news yeah to say um i was at a live comedy show it got evacuated because of the shooting yeah because uh, the media, I suppose, didn't know. I mean, you, you were one of the first people really to know because you were within the vicinity. Mm. But before, you know, it spread around the world and around the country on on the news, uh, you actually, you you tweeted the BBC saying something has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, then that's, and then they got in touch with me the next day on Saturday morning. Mm. And uh, that's kind of where I spent most of all of Saturday... And a lot of yesterday talking to journalists from different countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was weird. And you you spoke to the BBC. You spoke to Sky News. Didn't yeah, you? BBC, Sky News, um, Channel Four, uh, Channel Four. I didn't speak to them, but they got in touch. Um, ITV News in England. Um, some a, a bunch of American uh, radio stations. A lot of Australian radio stations. Yeah. Uh, Canada, it's Canadian, uh, Quebec. Uh, TV stations. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was a it was a little bit weird because 
I hadn't really seen that. I, I was watching TV and I was seeing like eyewitness accounts of people who were either in the Bata clan or at the restaurant or like actually seeing the stuff. Re- and I, you know, I was close to it, but not really close enough for mm. um, anything serious to have happened. And uh, but people kept on calling me up and calling me up all day. And I think uh, Addy wasn't too pleased. But um, really, yeah, um, I, I I imagine people wanted to talk to you because there probably weren't that many. Uh, sort of English speakers who were eyewitnesses, and also because you're Paul Taylor, you know they they could see on your online profile that you're a comedian, mm. and they probably thought, well, he's probably able to string a sentence together, so he's probably, probably quite true, a good yeah. person who's quite a descriptive person, um, and uh, so that's why they kept calling you, I suppose. Um, did you did you find that there was a difference between the the style of of the uh, communication that you got from different uh, journalists in different countries. Yeah, it was interesting how um, the the UK news networks uh, when they sent me emails, mm. um, they were sending emails saying, you know, hope they started emails by saying, you know, hope you're safe, hope everything's fine. Um, if you have time for an interview, uh, it would be great. Let us know. Uh, and the American, uh, I got uh, emails from Fox News and MSNBC yeah. in the US, which are pretty big news networks. Yeah. And uh, both of theirs just started out really blunt, like, uh, dear Mr. Taylor, uh, can you interview for us in like half an hour? Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, thanks. We but- need to talk to you, Paul. Yeah. We Although, need- yeah. Ad- Addy did, did say to me, they're like, well, they probably heard you on BBC News. Because BBC News were the first people that I spoke to. Right. And then... Uh, from what I understood, I I put my they transcribed my interview and put it on the BBC News website, mm. um, and from that, other news networks I think read uh, that because everyone that called me afterwards was like, "Hey Paul, we heard your interview on the BBC, or yeah. we read your interview on the BBC. Would you be willing to to talk about the events?" Right. So, um, so- uh, I, I, Andy was like, "Well." To be fair, though, these other news networks, they're probably not asking how you are because they've seen yeah. through your Facebook and through your Twitter that you are fine. Yeah. Uh, and so, but still, it's still. It would be nice if they just said, um, sorry for bothering you. Yeah. Uh, I hope you're okay. Would you mind giving us an interview rather than, Paul, we need you on uh, Fox News. <laughs> when are you available? Get, you know, send me an email uh, imminently or something. Yeah. Um, but interesting, yeah. The first point of contact is probably, you know, normally a little bit more polite. And then after that, a bit more direct. Yeah. Uh, but, um, okay. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Very, Very strange. Some of my listeners told me that they either heard you on the news or seen your your statements printed on the BBC's yeah, website. Yeah, I saw uh, some of the comments uh, from yeah. uh, on your website, which was, uh, which was interesting. I got a couple of calls uh, from my family. Like, yeah. my, my parents saw me, my grandparents saw me on the BBC. Yeah. Because uh, initially it was the breakfast news, like, very early... I guess it would have been like 7 a.m. UK time was when I first um, was my first interview. And I think they replayed that a couple of times. Yeah, my parents saw that as well. Did they? Like, oh, Paul Taylor on the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Mostly glad to know that you were okay. My, uh, my parents, because they knew I was okay the night before, uh, they were like, oh, we saw you on the BBC News. That's great. Because at the time, it was just an audio interview. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I did, I've only done one video interview. It was Sky News, uh, where yeah. I was down at the Place de la République. But my, both my parents... Has said to me, "Ah, oh, you should, uh, <laughs> you should have plugged your 
your comedy show. You should have talked about the comedy show. And I was like, really, mum and dad? That's like me saying, oh, guys, you know, yeah, there was lots of dead people. But don't worry. Come and see me and Luke Thompson, 7 p.m. Uh, yeah. Panama Cafes. It's uh, just you can't. No, you can't no, do that. No, that wouldn't really be appropriate, would it? A couple of people asked me, oh, did you get paid for the interviews? I'm like, are you serious? No, of course it's not. like a Greek friend of mine. I'm like, a typical Greek, just going straight for the money. Like, did you get paid for the interview? Of course I didn't get paid oh, for the interviews. All right. Well, um, so very interesting, Paul. Very interesting to hear your, your account. And obviously, it just brings it home. It kind of, you know, makes me realize just how how bizarre and how horrific this was. That That's part of the shock, the, the transition from normal to emergency and it's it's a very weird sort of um, transition to make that in just a couple of moments, you go from everything just being a normal evening to people kind of being in mortal danger and being in the knowledge that people have been been killed and that you might be in danger and you, you, your mind flashes to all the other people who who you know who are in the in the city and you think oh my god I hope everyone is okay and suddenly your phone starts to you know come to life and there's just everyone is texting you and. Um, my what happened with me is I was out as well. I was at an, a comedy show. Yeah, you're a different one. I was at the New York Comedy Night, which is in um, a, a, a different part of town, but it's only two metro stations away from Republic. Um, but I, I wasn't, you know, in the heart of it. But um, yeah, so I was I was doing a show there as well, and I'd already been on stage, and I was watching the rest of the show, and one of the comedians um, tapped me on the shoulder, and she said to me. There's, you know, there's attacks are happening in Paris. People are being shot, and there have been explosions. Uh, people are, you know, there are shootings all over the city, and it, you know, it immediately dawned on me that what was happening, because after January and the the Charlie Hebdo attack, it kind of didn't take that long to realise that something similar was going on, mm. you know, because that had happened. So, so immediately I was like, oh my god, you know, and uh, I rushed to my phone which was in my jacket and I quickly checked my text messages and sure enough I'd got texts and calls from my mom and from my wife and stuff so I you know texted them and texted my wife to make sure she was okay she was fine uh, on her way home and you know let my parents know that I was fine as well stuck around for the rest of the show because so I didn't know the show carried on yeah the show carried on the audience didn't know what was going on and uh we didn't I didn't know quite what the situation was outside and I I kind of you know went over to the window mm. and had a little peep you know looked out of the window to see what was going on in the street I could see bits of the street just normal you know just normal it looked like normal life people were walking up and down cars in the road and everything there wasn't any sign that there was something going on outside was there um because at that venue often we get sirens uh, interrupting the show like when yeah. you're on stage the, the the windows i guess aren't double glazed and yeah. if a siren goes past it inter- like you you can definitely hear it were there any sirens in that area or not? no more than normal no okay. i had absolutely no indication that something strange or bad was going on um but again this is this was at the time the shootings were going on and so the police didn't really mobilise. There wasn't like a, a, a lot of action from the police until a little bit later, mm. until everyone really knew what was going on. So I didn't notice any sounds of helicopters or sounds of uh, police sirens or anything. It was just a normal evening at, at uh, the Sojimnas. And, uh, um, you know, you, you normally hear a few sirens, as you said. And so, yeah, it didn't strike me as being any different. Um 
And um, so I stuck around and watched the rest of the show. And then at the end of the show, Sebastian Marks, our friend who was hosting the, the night, he did tell the audience, he said, listen, there's been a, a terrorist attack. There have been shootings in the city. It's going on right now. Um, and the audience didn't believe him. I'm sure yeah, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't Same believe with him. us. It, and, you know, it, it, it took, yeah, like you said, about 30 seconds to a minute to break the spell of the comedy show. Mm. And in fact, one girl in the audience was like, are you kidding? You know, please tell us that you're kidding. And, mm. and Sebastian was very calm. He handled it really, really well. And he was like, no, I'm not kidding. And he said, I, I recommend that, you know, you you might want to just let people know that you're safe. Um, and um, uh, the bar, you know, we're, we're going to stay open. You can stay here if you want. You know, we're up on the sixth floor um, and you can stay here. Um, and everyone was quite calm there was no panic in the room people immediately got on their mobile phones and everything like that the show ended as normal uh but at that moment i i decided i would go and i i there was a lot of commotion actually in the in the stairwell because mm. there, there's a sort of stairwell you know that runs down through the building and a lot of people were in the stairwell sort of arguing and shouting and and sort of uh, a lot of uh, loud conversation going on, which I didn't really understand. Uh, but you know, tension was pretty high outside yeah. the comedy club in the in the building, and I and I decided I would go home at that point. And I checked it out on the map. I you know I, I found out where the, the the action was happening, and I located it on the map. And and I you know planned my route home. And my wife, it was a frightening moment. I have to say. I mean, you probably had the same feeling of that kind of like I've got to get home because things aren't quite safe but it was a frightening moment because my wife was like just make sure you walk down quiet streets yeah and i was and i didn't know for example uh really if if the the shootings were contained or if there might be dangerous people in the streets and things yeah. like that and uh whether there would be action in other places so i you know prepared myself to 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 go home and i thought i'll go on foot because it's probably the quickest way i'm not going to try and take the metro or get a bicycle or anything i'll just go on foot and um i mean it was fine you know the streets were normal it was actually quite calm out there mm. but i you know i paced home and my phone was just you know on fire just people just texting me and and stuff like that and and so i was just basically walking and texting at the same time and just walked all the way home got into the building that was a relief you know yeah. my you know and you know let my parents know i was back and then you know my my wife was there and uh, we just sat on the sofa together and just watched the whole thing uh, unfold on the news. It must but, have been even worse for you. Like, for me, because it was, because it happened just then and we evacuated just as it happened, we, I had no idea how bad it was. Right. We just thought it was the people on the end of our street. So I was, when I, as I was walking home, I wasn't panicked. I wasn't, there was nothing going, because at the time it was like, oh, there's been reports of explosions at Stade de France, yeah. which is in the north of Paris. But it was just reports, you know, and it was like, oh, there's reports of maybe like four or five people having been killed. Um, and I was like, yeah. oh, okay, that's, it's all, you know, it's all contained. And uh, whereas for you, it's like, I guess it was, it must have been about almost 11 p.m. if the show yeah. finished. Yeah. So that was like once all of it had, had happened, but we didn't know still what was happening. Like, but again, they didn't, the, 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 I think that, like, for example, the Bataclan was the, the situation in the, in the music venue, the Bataclan. Uh, was ongoing until yeah. about half past midnight. Yeah. So that was still happening yeah. at that point. There was still uh, a hostage situation uh, and and four guys or three guys with with machine guns in the in the nightclub. And um, 
So yeah, what I understood as I was leaving the the so gymnase was there are you know there are guys with machine guns on the streets of Paris and I'd I'd heard things like you know AK forty sevens and uh, hand grenades at Stade de France, yeah. and so yeah, I mean, I kind of knew. I just you know, let's be honest. I knew I'd seen the map. I'd seen the reports. I knew where the stuff was happening, right. and I thought, let reasonably you know, I I think I'm going to be all right if I walk really fast. I don't know. People listening to this might think that was a bit of a risk. But I mean, at the moment, at that time, I think that I knew pretty much that the action was was in one place. And so, yeah, I just got home as quickly as possible. Uh, But it was a relief to get home, Mm -hmm. let's say. Um, So what actually happened, I do, I can give you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a report on specifically what happened on Friday evening. Um, and, uh, so let me, let me explain it to you. Okay. So, um, here's, here's the the more detailed report. So during the evening of Friday, the 13th of November, that's just a couple of days ago, uh, there were six different attacks in and near Paris. Apparently the attacks were coordinated and carried out by ISIS terrorists. At this moment, uh, the moment that I'm recording this, we have 129 people killed in the attacks. And something like 350 people are injured, with about 100 people still in a critical condition. And critical condition means that they, you know, it's a life and death situation. It's touch and go. So the, the, the death toll might rise over the next few days, depending on how people recover in hospital. Let's hope that no more people uh, lose their lives um, as a result of this. Um, and uh, this all happens after some artists working for the Charlie Hebdo magazine were murdered by ISIS terrorists in Paris at the beginning of this year. Um, and, um, you know, after that event, there was a big peace march in which th- hundreds of thousands of people got together to march against terrorism and to, to celebrate solidarity. And uh, that all happened around the Place de la République uh, area of Paris, and in fact, that area was the focal point of these um, recent attacks. Um, so, um, here's what happened in the six attacks, and this information is based on what I've read in different articles online, uh, eyewitness accounts, and um, and and uh, you know personal accounts too. So, the first thing that happened was uh, Stade de France at nine twenty p.m. So, um, Stade de France is um, is the international football stadium, which is just outside Paris to the north. So a football game between France and Germany was happening uh, in the stadium. And uh, during the game, three explosions were heard from inside the stadium. You can see the footage on TV. The team, the football teams are playing and there are these three loud bangs outside the stadium. But the game carried on. I mean, people in the stadium didn't know what was happening because, you know, sometimes you hear fireworks um and um you know that's that's the sort of thing you hear on a friday night especially when there's a football match going on there might be fireworks or different noises so the game carried on but uh, the french president francois hollande was inside the stadium at the time and by 9:30 at half time he had been informed as to what was actually going on that uh, the those bangs had been um bombs um, and so he was evacuated to the Interior Ministry for an emergency cabinet meeting. And, and this is while attacks 
at that moment were actually going on in a number of different places in Paris. Mm. Um, it's not until the football game ended that the fans in the stadium really learned what had happened, that three terrorists had set off explosive belts outside the stadium, two at entrances to the stadium and another outside of McDonald's. So in fact, four people were killed, the three terrorists who'd blown themselves up and one other person. Um, they they were all uh, uh, the from what I saw in the French news the first explosion went off uh, and the second one didn't go off for about another ten minutes so then right. the, some of the shootings happened before in between some of the explosions okay okay all uh, right but I'm seeing on the timeline that you've got there that the uh, yeah nine twenty five I think the first explosion went off at nine twenty but yeah. then yeah the other explosions at Stade de France maybe happened a little bit mm. later uh, and in the meantime yeah the the attacks were happening in inside Paris. Uh, the football fans all gathered on the football pitch and eventually they were led out of the stadium singing the French national anthem. Um, so the next thing was was at 9.25, just a few minutes later, and this was at a place called Le Car- Carillon. Is that how you say that, yeah, Paul? Le Carillon. Le Carillon bar and restaurant and another bar right next to Le Carillon, which is called Le Petit Cam- Cambodge. Um, two bars on Rue Alibert, uh, and that was at 9.25 p.m. So these two places are on a road not far from Place de la République, and it's not certain how many gunmen or cars were involved. It could be one shooter and one driver, or two shooters and tr- two drivers, we're not sure. Apparently, what happened is one of the cars stopped outside the two places, just two normal cafes or bars with people sitting inside and outside drinking and eating, Uh, One of the cars stopped outside these two places and a gunman got out and he started shooting into Le Carillon bar. He just started shooting his machine gun right into the windows of the bar and then he crossed the street in order to shoot in Le Petit Cambodge. Um, To people nearby, apparently it sounded like fireworks and people didn't really understand what was going on. Some Some witnesses say that one of the cars had Belgian number plates and 15 people were killed and 10 people were injured. I don't know what happened to the shooter and the driver or shooters and drivers. I imagine that the shooter got back into the car and, and they escaped. Um, at 9.32, um, again in, in another bar nearby, Casa Nostra, Rue de la Fontaine au Roi. This is the one that's near Le Panam, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? on the same street. The, the Panam is the uh, is on the, se- the same actual oh, street. Oh, is that the bar at the bottom of the street? Yeah, it, you know, that's, as you walk down from the Panam towards Republique, yeah. you know there's a From Prix yeah. uh, supermarket. Opposite that? Just opposite that. Is it that bar? On, on the right corner, because yeah, there's a bar on the right corner. There's also a bar on the left corner. Yeah. Uh, but it was the one on the right. That's yeah, I've been to that bar. Yeah. It's, it's always busy. It's crazy, isn't it? I didn't realise it was that yeah, place. Yeah, that's, that's where it is. So this one was at 9.32 and apparently a gunman arrived outside Casa Nostra, which is a pizza pizza place and bar, and started shooting at people on the terrace. It's just a place with tables where people sit and drink beer and and have conversations. Apparently he was wearing tight black clothing and he had a machine gun. Some witnesses commented that he looked exactly like a trained soldier, standing with one leg in front of the other, uh, firing in short bursts, his clothes very tight-fitting and completely black all over, just like you'd expect from a combat soldier. He, ap- he appeared calm. He didn't say anything. And after shooting a number of people on the terrace, he swiveled. That means he sort of turned mechanically, like the way trained soldiers do. Um, and he shot through the window of a car, presumably, presumably killing the people in the car or the driver. And then he went into the cafe. 
more shots were fired. Uh, and then when the police arrived, they couldn't find the gunman. Five people were killed and eight people were injured there. Um, just a couple of minutes later at 9.36pm in a place called Restaurant La Belle Equipe, which is on Rue de Charonne, um, again nearby, um, that this is where the next thing happened. And this is a popular restaurant on a street corner in a cool part of Paris where people like to eat out, drink on the terrace outside the restaurant and, in, and generally just enjoy life like they do here in Paris on a Friday evening. Um, so um, some... Um, so uh, the restaurant was fully booked on Friday evening with quite a lot of seats outside. And so at 9.36, according to witnesses, a car pulled up outside the restaurant and a man got out with a high caliber weapon, like an assault rifle or a machine gun or something like that. And he then quite calmly began shooting at people sitting outside La Belle Equipe. Within a few seconds, everyone was on the floor, either dead or just protecting themselves. Witnesses said that people were screaming and moaning. Three minutes later, the gunman got back in the car and they drove away. 19 people died there. Uh, and then at 9.40pm, uh, at the Bataclan, this is, this is the, the Bataclan is a concert venue in the 11th arrondissement of Paris. Again, not far from where all the other attacks happened. And it's a place where people go and see live music. And on Friday, about 1,500 people were in the venue listening to a Californian rock band. Um, and um, at, at uh, 9.40, three men um, started shooting AK-47s randomly into the crowd. Apparently, these guys had just entered the club. I don't know how they managed to get in with guns. Maybe they, they, they shot their way into the, the, the room. I don't know. But anyway, apparently these guys appeared in the, in the club, which was full of people, and they just started randomly shooting into the crowd. And I can't imagine what that would be like. What, I mean, I've seen some, some you know, shaky camera footage of what happened. You see the band playing on stage, and suddenly you hear this loud banging uh, and the the guitarist, you know, stops playing, and he can hardly believe what he's seeing. The drummer, you know, drops down behind the drum kit. Um, apparently, these men were no more than twenty five years old, dressed all in black, and apparently they were calm and silent as they fired their weapons into the crowd, killing a lot of members of the audience. Apparently, everyone hit the floor, lying on top of each other, protecting each other, trying to avoid getting shot. The gunman walked around. Uh, reloading and continuing to shoot people as uh, as they lay on the floor. A lot of people managed to escape from the building, some of them getting shot in the process. And there is some video footage of people scrambling out of the back of the venue, some people even hanging from outside the windows, doing whatever they can to escape the shooting. Uh, the terrorists held about 20 people hostage inside the club, um, according to a witness called Pierre Yanasak, who hid in the toilet but could hear what was going on, the terrorists were talking to the hostages, saying stuff like, it's the fault of Hollande, it's the fault of your president, he should not have intervened in Syria. Apparently, people who were stuck uh, inside the Bataclan were using social networks to communicate with the outside world with messages like this one. Someone wrote, I'm heavily wounded. Please, police, you have to launch an assault. There are people alive here, but they're killing them one by one. 
This all went on for several hours. The police were on the scene, but they couldn't get inside. Special forces arrived at about 12.20 and raided the building because it was clear that the gunmen were still killing hostages on the inside. Within a couple of minutes, the three terrorists were dead and it was over. Two of them had blown themselves up with explosive belts they were wearing and one of them was shot. The scene inside the Bataclan has been described as a bloodbath. Uh, immediately after the attack, about 90 people were dead. And now there is a memorial outside the venue with flowers, messages and candles. Um, and the final attack uh, happened uh, near the Bataclan on Boulevard Voltaire um, at 9.40. And this restaurant is on a road which connects Place de la République with Place de la Nation, two big intersections and meeting places. And Boulevard Voltaire is the road where some world leaders marched for peace after the Charlie Hebdo attacks earlier this year. You might have seen all those those leaders like Francois Hollande and David Cameron and uh, An- Angela Merkel walking arm in arm. Uh, this is this is the road where this last attack happened. And apparently one of the attackers involved in the Bataclan incident, uh, a fourth attacker, ended up here. I guess he was the fourth one. He went into the restaurant, apparently ordered a coffee, and then blew himself up. Uh, The attacker is dead, and one person is seriously injured as a result of that one. So that's what happened in the the six attacks. You know what? You know, as you were uh, talking about some of that stuff, I was Mm. reading. So there's two things that come to mind here. First of all, um, most of the deaths came from the shootings, even though four people, well, it, it, uh, all but one, by the sounds of it, blew themselves up. Um, yeah. This guy, this last one you mentioned killed one person by blowing himself up. The people at the stadium blew themselves up, but mm. there, w- there was only one person that died at the mm. stadium. Mm. Uh, it seems like everyone else was, was shot. The second thing that's interesting, as, and this is only because I'm reading uh, the BBC news here, so it seems yeah. like the, there's, there's two cars, right? There's a there's a black Seat uh-huh. uh, and a black Volkswagen Polo. Okay. Now apparently the Seat is the one uh, that hit up the restaurants. So the three restaurants there, the two, um, uh, the, the 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 yeah, the three restaurants. Is that were there three there restaurants? Was, there was there was Boulevard Voltaire, but that the guy was not in a car. He came from the Bataclan, went in and blew himself up in the in the cafe. Okay. Uh, so there's there's the as well as the Bataclan and Boulevard Voltaire, there is. La Belle Equipe, one, yeah. one restaurant. Casa Nostra, yeah. um, another restaurant. And then the three, Le Car- okay. Carillon and Le Petit Cambodge. So, so three, the, three bars. Yeah, all of those uh, were reportedly uh, the, uh, the Seat drove. Was, that was the Seat car that drove up to those restaurants. Right. Um, but the one that went to the Bataclan was the black Volkswagen Polo. Okay. So something's weird. Because I don't... like So the people that went to the Bataclan... Those three are dead. Yeah, um, who were in the Volkswagen Polo, but we've not heard about the Seat and the people that were the, the attackers that were in the Seat, unless they changed cars or something. But it's what's what I find strange is just in the, in the media, as I said to you earlier on, like when 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 this was happening throughout the night, and at the end of the night at about two a.m. Yeah, when they finally had the assault, uh, and they they it it was like the danger's over. That was the the main message: is the danger's over. Right. Uh, but I, it, it, how did, I don't know how they know that they've killed that they've managed to kill everyone. Yeah, there are some weird things like some gaps in the in the news. But I mean, okay, first of all, I suppose the media 
it's difficult for them to cover the story mm. and you know there are going to be missing bits of information because they don't know and they're trying their best to try and report the story i suppose so you know like missing bits of information uh could be interpreted as just uh the journalist trying to cover the story you know, obviously some people are going to interpret missing bits of information as some sort of conspiracy or something like that, but I don't believe in that. No, it's not even that. It's just uh, what I'm what, you, I, what well, I'm worrying about is that... Like, how many people are, are well, still out there? Well, if there's still people out there, why are they not telling us? Right. And and why is... and Because I think if there were still people out there and they were, they said there's still people... Like three of the gunmen haven't... The people who were in this black Seat, the guys who shot the, the people in the restaurants, we don't know where they are then it's kind of like, well, all right, there's still... A, a, yeah. But it, the impression that I'm getting from the news is it's kind of all right. They're looking into certain things. They're looking for one guy in particular, all this kind of stuff. But I don't know, that, that just hit me now Well, I was reading this. There are, I mean, um, various people are saying that there's still a big threat, that attacks could happen again mm. at any time. I suppose the... Um, I suppose if those were coordinated attacks seems that those those attacks of that that coordinated series of attacks has been done and if something else happens it could either be a random thing of like someone uh, one of these guys who's still on the run and is defending himself or maybe there could be a, we don't know do we we don't know if there's we don't know what the level maybe of threat is maybe there was just one is. guy in the black say and that's the guy they're looking for maybe but let's 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 track it let's let's try and work it out so uh, the news was saying that there were eight Guys, eight terrorists, right? The number eight was being bandied around and seven of them were killed. Seven out of the eight were killed and there was one left. But surely it's more than than eight, isn't it? But it says eight and then it says three coordinated teams. So three coordinate... Well, the problem here is that eight doesn't divide into three very easily. Well, it was the stadium... Yeah, was so one of them. Sta- the, the stadium had three guys. The Seat car was the second team, and the Volkswagen car was the third team. I think that's what they're referring to. If we, if okay, yeah. Stade de France, Bataclan, which is the Volkswagen, and then the Seat, which seemed to Do the drive between these restaurants. All right. Uh, but if it is eight people, it doesn't make sense, does it? Because you've got um, three people at Stade de France. They, yeah. they, they all killed themselves. So that's three. Three guys at the Bataclan who killed themselves or, and one of them was shot. So yeah. that's six. The guy who left the Bataclan and went to Boulevard Voltaire and, and ordered a coffee and then blew himself up. I, that's seven. Yeah. And then that means that the, the there's, one there's only one guy okay. who was in a, a Seat driving around um, shooting up the, uh, the restaurants. But apparently some witnesses said that there was a driver, that there was a, a guy in the, in the Seat. Like, it would be difficult, wouldn't it, to... To do it all on your own, potentially, especially yeah. if it, and and the news are saying that it's a team, so it's a bit weird. So it seems like there are more people, and and of course that it won't just be these guys. There there'll be some sort of leader who coordinated these attacks, some kind of mastermind who's in charge of this stuff. It won't just be eight people because usually I I reckon the way these things work is that the leaders uh, don't do the dirty work, and they don't they're not the ones who kill themselves at the end. The leaders are the ones who persuade other young, impressionable soldiers to do this kind of suicide attack. And it's the leaders who, who mastermind it. So yeah, I'm sure this. there's a problem. There must be a network of people who are involved. It still doesn't make sense, though. It, they're like, this is again from the BBC. Um, the attackers appear to have worked in three coordinated teams using the same type of assault, right, whatever. So three attackers blew themselves up outside Stade de France. We, yeah, that's what we just talked about. One yeah. died after detonating his bombs at the the Contois Voltaire. Yeah, four. Uh, four. Uh, three men wearing vests inside uh, 
The Bataclan. The, the Bataclan. That's seven. That's seven. So they, they're, they're saying seven, and they're saying this one guy, they're looking for this one guy who's been described as a key suspect. That still doesn't explain the fact that there were two different cars. Well, I suppose the two different cars is that the, 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 uh, the four guys went to do the Bataclan in a Volkswagen, and yeah. they left the Volkswagen outside. Yeah. And they, they all died. Okay, one in in Boulevard Voltaire and the three inside the Bataclan. All right. What and was the car that they found yesterday outside of Paris? That's the that is the Seat. Uh, they found the they found the Seat discarded somewhere in Montreuil, and it's, yeah, it was full of in Montreuil, yeah, full of weapons as well. So the so there's someone still on the loose is what the thing is. It's the, at least one guy, and it's this guy who was dressed in tight black clothing who shot up all of the bars and restaurants near Le Panam. Mm. Uh, that's the guy who's still out there but there must be more than just him because I'm sure that there are uh, other people who were involved in the planning of oh, this of course, stuff yeah. you mean, know the, the leaders who who don't want to blow themselves up the ones who are happy to, to convince other people to, to do suicide missions but they won't do it themselves potentially these yeah. guys must be out there um, or but, it's they've done it of their own accord and um ISIS are just taking responsibility for it, you know, because right. in all honesty, I was talking about this yesterday with Addy, like it, it, it didn't take, it wouldn't have taken a huge, the only planning really that would have needed to happen is how do we buy the guns and, and get the, the explosives? Because yeah. apart from that, apparently uh, I read some, on one of the French website that the, that the, one of the guys actually had a ticket into the match. Yeah. Uh, and he got, he got rejected by security guards. They, they picked up the, the, you know, like the uh, electro- electronic door or the magnetic uh, door mm. sensor um, picked up on the fact that he had the explosives and then quick, quite quickly after he was rejected he blew, he blew himself, himself up. up so I mean th- for, I guess the, the, the planning was we need to buy tickets to go to the match yeah, uh, we need to find the weapons and we need to get the explosives and rent the cars and then just decide what time they, this is all going to happen yeah because all they had to do afterwards was just drive around town and uh, yeah, and do it. so it's not it wasn't it's not like a you know, nine eleven, which was clearly a lot more planning because you need to have right. pilots. It's like it's a massive. This is uh, you get some guns and go and shoot. Like so, if, if we had guns in this house right now, yeah. it wouldn't take a lot of planning for us to go and kill a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm sure it's possible to get guns on the black market. You know, it, yeah, so it won't be difficult. So what what you're saying is, um, is this was this a centralized ISIS attack organized from their headquarters in Syria? Mm. Or was this just some local disillusioned local guys who did it in the name of ISIS and now ISIS are taking responsibility for it? Yeah. So yeah, there's a good Although point. There's a connection with Belgium. I th- I personally think that it's a coordinated attack from Probably. HQ, from ISIS HQ mm. in, in Syria. And the reasons I say that is because, not because of the way it was coordinated, because as you say, it wasn't that complicated a plan. You know, any Tom, Dick or Harry could have come up with that plan. But it's the fact that these guys seem to be military uh, soldiers. They seem to have military experience. Mm. The eyewitness accounts of the guy who shot up the restaurants and the people in the Bataclan suggested that they were very calm Mm. and, um, you know, and composed. And the way that they fired and held their weapons suggested military training. And if these are guys who just come from, you know, the badlands of of the Paris suburbs or or areas of, of Belgium or whatever then how, how did they train to use weapons in this way? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure, I, I expect that these are guys who may be French or Belgian citizens who went to Syria and Iraq uh, to work with ISIS and they were trained there mm. and they, they, they had combat experience there 
and they learnt how to fire weapons. These are young, impressionable guys who, for, for one reason or another, are disillusioned with the culture that they live in in Europe, and they associate with uh, the, the ISIS movement, and that they've actually been there, had training, come, and, and then been, I don't know, further indoctrinated and sent back uh, as agents of ISIS. Um, maybe given a plan, or maybe at least given the 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 uh, the motivation to form their own plan, and then uh, they've they've done this. But mm. I, I think it's an ISIS. Yeah, uh, I think it's related to their headquarters. Whatever it is it's crazy. It's weird because it's it's um it's shocking, but I'm not surprised. Well, I, I'm 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 actually more surprised it, ha- it it hasn't happened earlier or on a bigger scale uh, than than you know anywhere else. Because I mean, you know how how tricky is it to um to get to like to to wear an explosive bet obviously if you've got metal detectors outside of the stadium that that obviously is is great yeah but i mean you know after the charlie hebdo things um uh, happened uh that same weekend i can't I think it happened on a thursday maybe and that same weekend there were like 3.7 million people in paris marching yeah. like yeah it was millions of people with all the heads of state all in like one row walking down. Yeah. And I that that I honestly thought I was there I was like how difficult would it be to to just if if you're like to if you're in an apartment block, you know, above where they were marching, how difficult would it be to throw a grenade down there and kill all of them in one go? But it, it, that didn't happen. It's probably because the intelligence uh agencies yeah. Uh, 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 there's a lot of stuff they don't tell us obviously. I, I'm sure that the intelligence agencies even though this happened which some people are saying is a uh, an indictment of the intelligence agencies who who didn't prevent it. Mm. You know, people are saying, "How did this happen? You know, is this the fault of the French intelligence or agencies or whoever is responsible for stopping these things?" Yeah. I'm sure that actually they are working pretty hard to monitor the sorts of people who would do this kind of thing. It's probably hard for them to keep track of everyone especially if they're dealing with the intelligence services of ISIS who aren't, I mean, like, you know, people are calling them idiots. They are idiots because they're wrong, of course, but I'm sure that they've got some military sort of uh, acumen. They've got some military sense and it may be possible for them to send agents back into Europe under the radar, you know, avoiding, yeah. you know, they, they these guys may have been, like pr- full, proper sleeper style um, intelligence guys. I mean, what I'm saying is that they, they, their whole lives were probably devoted to doing this to the extent that they never went out. Like their existence was just never mentioned. Yeah. Well, a couple of them have, have been on, um, like the, the the guy who they've named was already on a, 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 a list of. Oh, that's right. He was people. a petty criminal. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like I think it's. I think there's so many things. I think they stop this happening probably on a regular basis and we have no idea that it's being that they're stopping because yeah. if they told everyone can you imagine if, if they came on the news and were like oh today another foiled terrorist yeah. plot like we'd all be we'll, we'd all be crapping ourselves all the time we'd all be so worried and we'd all be sitting indoors and you know it's probably uh, it probably happens on a regular basis that they managed to stop it and this was just unfortunately the time that they that for some reason they, they weren't able to stop it yeah um, but yeah. it's um yeah, as I said, I, I'm not surprised it happened, uh, and I'm surprised that it's uh, it, it hasn't happened before. Like in, in another major like Western city, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff on Facebook and a lot of people um, uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, saying, well, why is all the uh, attention on Paris when Beirut got bombed right. and, you know, other people got bombed and things like this? And I think it's because it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a major Western city uh, where uh, it's the most visited city in the world by tourists. And I think that's why it's got all the media attention. Right. Whereas yeah. kind of in Lebanon, it's, it's almost expected in a, in a sad way. It's very sad. That, that, that you know, people are dying all over the world in explosions and, and uh, suicide bombings, but no one, no one, it's, it, the media don't cover it as much because it happens on a, such a regular basis yeah. that yeah. it's that it's kind of like, you. I mean, you can't, I, I stopped watching the news because of that, like about five years ago, where it's just every day, it's like, you know, suicide bombing in, in, in Baghdad or suicide bombing in, 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 in some other country. Yeah. Um, you get desensitized. Yeah, absolutely. You get desensitized to it eventually. Um, there, there's so much more to talk about. Like, for example, you know, ISIS, like who are they? Uh, and, and what do they actually want? And what do they expect to, to get from this? Um, and also things like how did they organize a, an attack on Paris? And also things like, you know, what was the ISIS statement? Because they did issue a statement, which has been translated into English. And, you know, why did they do it? And also, uh, what what's going to happen next? What are the implications of this? What's the bigger picture? Um, so much more to say. I mean, you know, I think we know who ISIS are, uh, right? I mean... Bunch of wankers. Bunch of wankers, yeah. And, and like, um, so they are... They they have claimed responsibility for this. Okay, let's do a really quick who are ISIS. All right, a, a basic whoops, basic who are ISIS. So they um, ISIS uh, I S I S the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, sometimes known as ISIL, which is the Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant, or IS, which is the Islamic State, or in France they call them Daesh. Um, yeah, Daesh. What does that stand for? I think it's Arabic, or a, I think again it's a, an acronym which basically means the Islamic State. I think, but uh, I'm not sure. That's Desh is the word up. that they use in in French uh, anyway. So it's an offshoot of of Al Qaeda originally in Iraq, and basically ISIS have established a caliphate, and that is an area ruled by one leader, and they've in that area that they've they've taken which is kind of northern iraq and parts of syria they've they've established a caliphate and they've imposed their harsh interpretation of islamic law there um it's it's a kind of very super strict conservative islamic law which applies in the caliphate now there's a lot of stuff going around about religion people will be using this story as a as a way to bash Islam, well, of course, you know, what, there's something like 1.6 billion Muslims in the world, Mm. and the vast, vast majority of them are peaceful. Uh, Obviously, these guys don't represent the majority of of Muslims out there, of course. Of course not. These guys are, it's like some sort of twisted version of the Islamic doctrine. Uh, uh, Why it is they believe this kind of stuff, I'm not sure, but I, I, I mean... I would say probably they're like the children and the children of the children of war that they they come out of a a, a world that's been dominated by conflict um, and that they've they've misunderstood or misinterpreted the doctrine. It's difficult to know what come what came first, their doctrine or or their hatred, or is the doctrine twisted by their hatred it's really difficult to know what i mean obviously they're wrong i mean that's the thing they're completely wrong and you know you you see in their statement things like uh they describe paris as the capital of prostitution and, ob- and obscenity um which um 
Uh, I don't even think that. I mean, if prostitution was their problem, why are they blowing? Why are they having a go at a nightclub? Like they described the the concert as a a part a prostitution party. Right. Sorry, guys. Have they been to uh, Holland? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, surely they're the capital of prostitution. And there isn't a capital of prostitution anyway. But like, first of all, okay, you attack the nightclub because it's a prostitution party. Well, sorry, it wasn't a prostitution party. Nightclub being what the the the, the concert. The concert. Okay. It wasn't a. It was just live music. Mm. Like for these guys, music. You know that they've banned music. That music is sinful. Where in for, uh, for, for ISIS? For ISIS really? In, in, yeah, music is sinful. I mean, you know, we could go into their ideology, but I think we all agree that it's bullshit, right? I mean, you know, everyone agrees, including most Muslims. You know, everyone understands that this is just some twisted ideology, mm. uh, and they they hate the way of life. In, in Paris, they hate what 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 our lifestyle symbolizes. They see our life as obscene. Uh, Paris for them is the capital of obscenity and prostitution, uh, which is obviously not accurate. Um, I mean, if they wanted to have a go at prostitution, they should have gone to uh, what's that place in Paris? There's an area where all the prostitutes hang out. Pigalle. No, not a Pigalle. Well, they could have had a go at Pigalle. Oh, uh, no, Bois de, Fa- Bois de Boulogne. Bois de Boulogne, yeah. It's like a, par- uh, a park, a park on the outskirts park. of Paris yeah. where all the prostitutes are, apparently. Why uh. didn't they go to Bois de Boulogne? Anyway. Um, but the reasons why they've done it is, obviously, they hate our ideology, and they see France as like an embodiment of, of everything they hate about sort of Western democratic ideology and stuff, and they, they see it as, as obscene. It's not really. Mm. It's not that bad. I think. Uh, I think it's more... But Less to do that more with the fact that foreign. France are, have got some stuff in Syria going on. Well, yeah, I was I was going to come on to that. There's also the sense that France is known for being intolerant of Islam. Yeah, uh, and and the that. foreign policy at the moment that that France has been launching attacks in uh, Iraq and Syria against ISIS targets. And yeah. actually, I think a lot of these the the attacks on Fridays are on Friday are basically acts of revenge against those those uh, mm-hmm. attacks by France. So yeah, we're in a war basically. And Francois Hollande, the president of France, said it himself: "We're now in a war." Great, we're in a war. Fantastic. How High did five. that happen? How the how the hell did we end up know. in a war? No one likes war. So that's that's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they uh, they bombed them last night, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. As a the the, the French have um, retaliated, and apparently last night they launched a large bombing campaign with something like ten planes sending twenty bombs on Raqqa, which is in Syria. That's where the headquarters of ISIS is. Uh, and a- according to the news, they've they've targeted guns and munitions, and the second target was a terrorist training camp. I heard one report that no people were killed. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. That's what they're saying now, is that ISIS, really? it's, uh, ISIS are claiming that the French hit empty stuff, which, oh, okay. is, which is maybe them covering for the fact that uh, we managed to kill some of them. Maybe maybe ISIS are saying, no, you didn't get anyone, which, you know, obviously they would say that in order to sort of take away the, the, the victory. But uh, who knows, really? That's the other thing, isn't it, Paul, about this kind of thing? Ordinary people like us, we don't really know. We're just speculating. We're just we haven't got a clue. Just trying to work out what's going on, and it's it's really hard. It ends up just being speculation, and the you know that's not a very healthy situation because it breeds things like conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And um, I guess it's just a question of trust. We just have to trust our leaders and and hope that they're doing the right thing. But of course, there is an argument that says if you wage war 
uh, abroad, then it's going to come back to you. That's what some people argue, that, that uh, this has happened be- pr- precisely because France and other Western nations have been aggressive in, in other areas, and it's just coming back to us. What, what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But what's going to happen next? Um, How is he released without charges? So the, the brother of one of the attackers at the Bataclan... Yeah. Is released without charges. This is breaking news on the BBC. Yeah. So the brother of one of the Bataclan attackers has been released without charges. Well, yeah, I guess they've got nothing. They've got no, no evidence to to prosecute him with. Yeah. I suppose. And if you if they've got no evidence, then they can't hold on to him because otherwise it's illegal. Well, they said that apparently for four, they can hold him on for four days because it's the state of emergency. That's the rules apparently. Right. But, uh, but I guess he's I guess he's not in France. Is he in Belgium? Police, uh, I don't know, whatever. It's ridiculous. If you're, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we can't say much more because we're just speculating and, mm. and we're, we're not like experts on the situation. And I'm, I expect that uh, if you just switch on the news, you're, you're likely You'll to get, get more, more better news than from us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, apparently, you know, uh, the authorities are warning us that more attacks will, will happen. And probably not just in Paris, but anywhere. It could be, you know, London, could be anywhere else. Um, security is probably going to be stepped up now. Apparently, France has closed its borders. It's going to be harder for us to live our lives freely. It may be harder to travel between countries. I expect that uh, certain right-wing politicians are going to point at immigration and say we, we this is a reason why we can't let Syrian refugees into our country, mm. which is, I don't know if that's really fair because... Of, you know, think about the the thousands of immigrants, and the reason the the these these people are escaping from Syria is the same thing. I mean, they're running away from ISIS. Yeah. So they're they're not ISIS. They're running away from ISIS. Of course, there may be a couple of people in those uh, in those groups of uh, refugees, you know, hiding amongst those refugees that may be uh, sort of terrorists themselves. But it seems that. People, it seems that if ISIS terrorists want to travel into Europe, they can. They don't need to do it under the uh, under the protection of, or they don't they don't need to disguise themselves as uh, refugees. It seems that they can travel here if they want to travel here. So I think the refugee crisis and the ISIS situation are actually separate issues. But I think probably right wing politicians will will say that they're the same issue and that this will be. Uh, a, a reason for them to close the borders and get the immigrants out, and and it'll be used as a as an excuse to to clamp down on immigration. Um, yeah, that's it then, isn't it? That's it. Okay, so, so it's full out war. Let's just do it. Get it over and done with. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's yeah, crazy. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, um, looking out the window, sort of pretty normal out there. Really, it's a grey day. There's the Eiffel Tower. Just normal life. Yeah. yeah, for now. Yeah. Until got- something else happens. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, Luke's English podcast will continue as normal. I've got some new episodes to publish. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm excited. I, 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 I'm I supposed to get back on stage this evening. Oh, are you? I was supposed to get back on stage on Saturday, but the show got cancelled, and I was supposed to get back on stage yesterday. show got cancelled. Oh, yeah. Um, so hopefully today the show won't get cancelled, and uh, we'll get back to laughing friend of friend of ours is planning a birthday party next weekend she was planning to do it in a bar near where all this stuff happened uh, we're trying to convince her to move it somewhere else 
Is she just not wanting to do it or is she... No, she wants to do the party. Oh, she still wants it's to do it. It's her 30th party. Oh. She wants to do it, but, you know, we're all uh, we're all trying to say to her, eh, can you move it somewhere else? just feels a bit dodgy to do it there. Then you've got that theory of, well, are they going to attack the same place again or would they just attack a different part of Paris if they were going to attack Paris It seems again? that's the place that they focused on for whatever reason. Mm. I mean, you know, they, they seem to focus on groups of young yeah. people. I mean, that part of Paris is full of young sort of hipsters who like to... It's it's just a cool place where young people like to go out. I mean, we go out there sometimes. It's a really good spot. Yeah. Um, so for some reason, these guys seem to have that as a target. But also, I don't know. You never know. You don't know where they're going to go next. Um, but, you know, we're not going to cancel the party. It's no, a, that would it's be a, stupid. It's a party, isn't it? Um, so we're not going to cancel the party. We're just, you know, going to move it somewhere that might be a little bit safer. Uh, move but, it to London. Well, do you think London's going to be safe? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where. It doesn't matter. We're still going to have a party. It just we just need to be a bit more careful. Um, all right then. Good. What cool. are you doing? What are you doing for the rest of the day? Uh, I don't know. Maybe talking to news people again. Do you I have, don't know. Do you want to have lunch with me? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, have our croque monsieur, yeah. or croque madame, and a beer like we normally do. Croque madame is my listeners might not know that, but it's a <laughs> it's a it's like a, a great French. Uh, lunch. Look it up on uh, on on Google if you type croc madame c r o q u e next word madame like madame madame uh, you'll see a nice picture of it and it's a lovely toasted cheese yeah. ham sandwich with an egg on top. Yeah, lovely and a bit of salad on the side and uh, and why not? Let's have a beer. Come on, let's do it. Let's celebrate uh, that uh, we're our... still alive. Yeah, exactly. Okay, listeners, thanks very much for for listening to this episode. I hope that. Um, I don't know. I just hope that you, um, I hope that you're all right there, wherever you are. Um, and thanks again for your messages of concern recently. Um, but Luke's English podcast is, you know, carrying on as normal. And as I said, I've got some new episodes to upload. These are episodes which we re- we recorded a, a while ago, like a week or two ago, that I've edited. So they'll go up in the next few days, um, and it'll just be business as usual. Okay. So thanks very much. That's it. Speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to just say goodbye. Hello, it's Luke again. I haven't finished. In fact, I just wanted to add something at the end of this episode. And um, I'm just going to sort of read something as a final thought. This is from the British Humanist Association um, on their website, humanism.org.uk. And this was published um, on, uh, uh, on their website today. And I think that this is quite a nice way to end the episode. So I'm just going to read this post from the uh, British Humanist Association. Uh, I'll turn off the noises on my phone so that we don't get disturbed. So um, it goes like this. On the tragic events in Paris, an attack on freedom and human dignity from humanism.org.uk on November the 16th. That's today, 2015. We live in an uncertain, fragile world. And yet in this world, there is joy. We find a way through the hardships of life, uh, the pains, the tribulations, the daily struggles to make life mean something more. We socialise, we enjoy the pleasures of music or a good book. We watch films, we play sports, we enjoy a drink or a meal. We find joy and happiness in life itself. And we can do so freely 
whatever our tastes may be, so long as we do not harm others. In a city like Paris, all interests are catered for. It's a city characterised not so much by its politics, architecture or history, as it is by life itself, by joy, by the bustle of humanity, by the diverse preferences and tastes of millions living side by side. And yet life itself, the joy of living, was the target of Islamic extremists with a burning hatred for these very freedoms on Friday night, killing well over 100 people. They didn't attack infrastructure, politicians, military personnel or sites of historical or cultural significance. They targeted innocent people going about their lives, trying to make it through this difficult and complicated world with a modicum of fun and lightness, something we all aspire to. It was, in every sense, an attack on multiculturalism, an attack on how we find happiness outside the confines of a strict religious code of submission, an attack on the secular enlightened spirit embodied by Paris's vibrant, varied culture. Our hearts go out to all those affected over the world, and not just by events in Paris, but by those in Beirut and Syria and everywhere the cruel hand of extremism is felt. Today, we make one request of you, and it's a simple one, Enjoy your life. Make it count. And don't let the murderers win. Our dream is of a tolerant, open society with a secular state ensuring the human rights of everyone, where we can all go about the living where we can all go about living the kinds of lives we want for ourselves. That dream, that essential humanist cause, is now more important than ever. I just wanted to read that at the end just as a final thought. And so once again, uh, it's just time for me to say goodbye. So I'm going to do it now. Not for the last time, of course. Oh, no. There'll be more episodes of Luke's English Podcast uh, coming in your direction soon. Okay, but for now, goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.